Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 18. We're coming at you from the northeast coast of the United States, October 2022. I'm your host, Sean, online as Atomic Squeeze, Nuke Hops, Nuclear Hops, or Homebrew, depending on where you play. We have a fun and informative show for you today, where we'll be focusing on Drama Doogie. We'll find out what I'm drinking for this episode, then we'll get to Drama Doogie, and you'll get to hear about my recent play since the last episode, as well as some crazy news coming out of the poker world. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy shooting the shit about all things poker and beer. Well, since poker is a social game, and I'm a brewer, and enjoy beer, and, you know, all alcohol, as you might have heard on previous episodes, as usual, I'll be cracking a beer open for today's episode. As we are now into fall with cooler weather, and yes, it's prime time for Oktoberfest. But now that we are into October, it's time to partake in drinking pumpkin beers. Today's beer is a remake of one from Tomfoolery Brewing, the annual release of a customer favorite, Night of the Gourd. All right, you're not going to hear a bottle opener, a bottle opening, or a can opening because I poured this one straight from the tap. Yes, this one is on tap as I homebrewed it and did not want to bottle beer again, so I broke down and purchased a kegerator. So I poured Night of the Gourd into a tulip glass. Why a tulip? Well, this is a special beer with all the flavor and aroma of pumpkin and pumpkin spice appropriate for a tulip. Plus, it's a high ABV beer, again, which makes it appropriate for a tulip glass with a slightly smaller pour um, and still some room for nice head. Let's have a smell. Oh, amazing. I get pumpkin, molasses, and alcohol. Wow, coming through nice and loud. There's not much like the smell of pumpkin around this time of year. Let's have a look. Beautiful. Not a lot ahead, but nice carbonation seen rising up to the top of the glass. It's a very pretty orangey, eh, more amber-brown uh, color, and mostly clear, but not perfectly slow. So, not perfectly clear, but mostly so. And the color and the fact that it's not 100% clear, um, two contributing factors for that are the malts and partly from the pumpkin puree, um, which gives it some color and uh, gives it a little touch of haze. Now the best part, let's have a taste. Oh, truly amazing. Pumpkin spice flavors coming through. A molasses flavor is there as well that complements the pumpkin. Not overwhelming, the, the flavor that is, the pumpkin flavor. It's not overwhelming, not too much, nor underwhelming, but, well, just right. This beer has a medium body and is well carbonated, and with some of that body coming from the pumpkin. You can tell the pumpkin contributes quite a bit 
uh, to this beer. And the high alcohol level in Night of the Gourd immensely complements these flavors. The first sip I took was a little hot. That is an alcohol heat, not not hot temperature-wise. This beer is actually chilled very nice, very, very cold. But the first sip was a little hot, a little alcohol hot. Um, I do let this age for a minimum of two weeks before serving to let that alcohol heat mellow out a bit. Upon the second and uh, <laughs> third sip here, that uh, that tinge of alcohol burn is uh, unnoticeable. Oh, and one more thing I have to add. I made pumpkin bars to complement this beer. In fact, it's just not possible to drink this beer for the first time each year without eating a, a pumpkin bar dessert in conjunction with it. While I've had this dessert numerous times in the past, every single time, in fact, that this beer has been made, uh, was made when uh, Tom Fullery Brewing was open. This is the first year I've had to make the pumpkin beers myself. Damn, I love a great beer and food pairing, and this is one of my top two or three food and beer pairings of all time, for sure. Well, Night of the Gourd comes in at 9.6% ABV, so let's talk some poker while I still can. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and or those looking to branch into other variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. Our goal is to bring you the rules, the deal, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode will be covering Drama Doogie. So let's get started. Why Drama Doogie? Well, we're continuing with combination games, that is, a split pot game where two games are mashed into one, and Drama Doogie falls into that category. Furthermore, it is a mix of two games we've previously discussed, Big O High, also known as Five Card Omaha, in Episode 3, and Badoogie from Episode 13. But to kick things up a notch, this game is a combination of, like I said, two games, but kicking it up a notch, it's a combination of a draw game and a flop game all in one. So there's a bit more nuance for the brain to grasp onto. All right, let's get to the general play and rules of Drama Doogie. This is a combination of a draw game and a flop game with mixed limit betting. Therefore, it is a split pot game, but not a high-low split pot game. Instead, the pot is split between two different games within one. So Drama Doogie is a combination of the two games, the draw game of Badoogie and the flop game of Big O, also known as Five Card Omaha High. In the end, each player will be dealt five cards, with one draw to complete the Badoogie hand, and there will also be five community cards dealt. The player with the best Badoogie hand, using four of the five cards from their hand, wins one half of the pot. The player with the best five-card Omaha high hand using exactly two cards from their hand plus exactly three of the five community cards wins the other half of the pot. Like all split pot games, one player can scoop the entire pot. If one player has both the best Badoogie hand and the best Big O high hand, that player scoops the entire pot. All right, let's get on to the specifics of how to deal and play Drama Doogie. 
So we said it's a fixed limit game, and there's a small blind and big blind used for the two positions immediately to the left of the dealer button, respectively. After the blinds are posted, five cards are dealt to each player, face down, one at a time, starting with the player to the immediate left of the dealer button, also known as a small blind, and proceeding clockwise around the table. A round of betting occurs, where each player, starting with the player to the left of the big blind, known as the the under-the-gun player, takes action as either folding, matching the big blind, or raising to a larger amount. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, beginning with the player closest to the left of the dealer button who is still in the hand, a card is burned, and three cards are placed face-up in the middle of the table with these three cards known as the flop. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, beginning with the player closest to the left of the dealer button who is still in the hand, each player is then prompted one at a time to discard any cards they wish to replace in their hand. Now, as in all other draw games, you may choose to discard up to all five cards, although this is not recommended, or not to discard any cards, which is known as standing pat. Once all players at the table and still in the hand have acted by discarding the cards they wish to replace, the dealer replaces those cards in turn by dealing the same number of cards discarded by each player all face down to each of the remaining respective players. Once this first and only draw is complete, without burning a card, a fourth card, known as fourth street or the turn, is placed face up to the immediate right of the flop cards. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button, who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, Without burning a card, a fifth card, known as Fifth Street or the River, is placed face up to the immediate right of the fourth street or turn card. A final round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Finally, the showdown, where one or two winners is determined, with the player that has the best Badoogie hand using four of the five cards from their own hand and using the Badoogie hand rankings, which, remember, are the best Badoogie hand is ace-deuce-three-four, four, unsuited and unpaired, so the lowest four-card unpaired, unsuited hand, if possible, um, winning one half of the pot. And the player with the best big O high hand, or five card uh, Omaha high hand, using two of their whole cards plus three of the community cards, winning the other half of the pot. If one player has both the best Badoogie hand and the best big O high hand, that player scoops the entire pot. That is, they win the entire pot. And as I've said numerous times before, that is the goal when playing any split pot game, to scoop the entire pot. All right, so those are the details on deal and play for Drama Doogie. Let's uh, review some beginners. Let's go over some beginners tips for Drama Doogie to get you started. So again, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. 
First things first, remember the object and rules of the game. This is a draw and a flop poker game. So there's, there's a lot going on. Make the best five-card Omaha high hand and or the best four-card Badoogie hand, right? So basic, very basic. You're looking for your best five-card Omaha hand using two out of your hand and three from the community cards. And or, and of course the and is uh, really what you want, the best four-card Badoogie hand out of the five cards in your hand. For the Badoogie hand, aces play low, and for the Omaha high hand, of course, aces play high. So again, just keep it, keep in mind, aces play low on the Badoogie side, even though uh, they play high on the Omaha side. Straights and flushes do not count against the Omaha hand, um, but they will, uh, flushes will count against the Badoogie side, right? You can't have a suited Badoogie hand. So, um, and of course, ace, deuce, three, four isn't really a straight. So that doesn't really matter. But for the Badoogie side, aces play low. And for the Badoogie side, uh, flushes uh, will count against your hand. Final really tip here, only a couple of few tips besides remembering the rules to get you started because there's, there's a lot going on. You're just going to have to kind of remember it's easy just for these couple of few, these very small number of tips and just really focus on just remembering how to play the game and getting used to it. But uh, second main tip here, play to win the Badoogie portion more so than the Omaha part of the pot. So the draw is early on, right? But so after the draw, if you're focusing on your Badoogie hand for the draw, after the draw, there's still cards to come out in the community. So you your Badoogie hand cannot change, but you might actually end up backing into the best Omaha hand. So keep, keep that in mind. That's kind of one of the most critical uh, basic beginner uh, strategy rules uh, to, to, to sort of keep in mind. All right, let's talk about my recent play since episode 17. After, uh, you know, talk about my play here now, so I need, uh, let me get some more of this 9.6% Knight of the Gourd. Ah, that's yummy. All right, so home games. So I actually did a little better. Uh, if you listen to the past couple, few episodes here, I've uh, said I've been sort of, Winning in the casino and losing in the home game. Go to the casino and hit some, book some wins, and then uh, go to the home game and just basically toss my money away. Um, but in this, uh, in the most recent home game, I actually booked a small win, and that's mostly thanks to the fast cash at the end. And if you want an explanation of fast cash, uh, check out episode uh, 17. And speaking of the fast cash home game variant, I realized I did leave out one of the fast cash rules, and that is. Before the hand, before the hand is dealt, before any cards are dealt out, it's decided among the participants if they are going to flip over zero, one, or both of their whole cards. In the past, this past week's home game, I actually threw another small twist, and that is after our whole cards were dealt, the player, let's see, the player to your right would decide which one of your whole cards you would flip over. And uh, so that just kind of gave an interesting twist, uh, a twist. So they were asking, you know, are we gonna are we gonna flip over zero, one, or two? I said, how about this? How about the player immediately to your right looks to their left and decides how many cards decides which of those two cards, which one of the two 
um, you're going to flip over. And uh, then you flip it over. And the, the crew actually seemed to enjoy having uh, this sort of little new twist on the game. Just again, it's kind of a silly little fast cash game. Uh, not you know, zero skill. So it's nice to have some, uh, you know, some, some, some fun with it. Anyway, after that, uh, it's simple. All five community cards are dealt with no additional betting at all. And then there's a showdown with the best uh, five card hold them hand winning the entire pot. So as I mentioned in episode 17, it's it, it's a straight up gamble. I mean, you're just basically throwing money in, uh, you know, like, like you would in a casino on a slot machine, for example, um, and uh, maybe hit the jackpot. So it's uh, here it's jackpot or nothing. You win it all, all or nothing. So that's kind of where the home games have been sitting. Online play, no online play, though I have been considering it uh, just to get some mixed gameplay in um, since there's little to no local mixed game uh, action in the area. As far as casino games, so, you know, I mentioned I was, <laughs> just a moment ago, a couple moments ago, I mentioned I was, uh, you know, in the past I've been going to the casino, booking some wins, and then going to the home game and uh, missing out, you know, get, handing the money back basically, and now... <laughs> Now I booked a small win in the home game because I uh, lost I lost big actually in the casino. So um, we'll get to that momentarily. But on episode 17, I did mention I was going to try to get to Maryland Live to win uh, a PokerStars Platinum Pass. Unfortunately, I had some business to attend to, which conflicted with the date of the Maryland Live Platinum Pass uh, tournament, and so I couldn't make it. But what I did was end up uh, playing some 4-8 Limit Hold'em and some 1-2 No Limit Hold'em at Wind Creek Casino. I really enjoyed the 4-8 game. You know, it's a little more relaxed, um, a little chill, nice people, very enjoyable uh, to, to sit with folks in the 4-8 in the Limit game. Um, and, you know, that was uh, that was all right. Did, did, did okay there. Um, but uh, in the 1-2 No Limit, I, I just I got completely crushed. Mainly, I got stuck onto a couple of big hands that I, I, I just should have got away from and, and, and just couldn't. Sometimes you don't see hands for a while. You get a couple of big ones, and you just, you just kind of you just want to play. Um, mainly, I got stuck mostly because I ended up losing pretty much an, almost an entire uh, $300 stack with uh, pocket aces and uh, got sucked out on uh basically somebody had a pocket nines and uh on the turn um hit a set hit their uh, third nine on the turn and that was uh that was my stack pretty pretty much gone anyway um that's kind of my recent play since episode 17 by the next by the time the next episode airs i should have some stories from turning stone casino in verona new york i'm planning a trip there with my nephews and some of their friends and uh <laughs> I think I'm in for a serious roller coaster of a trip with these youngsters, and uh, you know they're they're all younger and they're part of the home game as well, and there should be a number of crazy stories to share. So stay tuned for episode 19. Finally, let's talk about some recent news from the poker world. As if there weren't enough cheating allegations happening in the poker world. With Ali Mshirovich, Jake Schindler, and Bryn Kenny, um, if you've been following it and or listening to these podcasts, now we have another incident involving at least two players during a game on the Hustler Live Casino stream, uh, the Hustler Live Casino live stream, um, and the two players involved in the hand are uh, Robbie Jade Lou and Garrett Adelstein. There's there is literally days of video coverage on YouTube and 
days of reading on poker Twitter that are available uh, based on what happened. But I'll provide the Cliff's notes here. That way, if you're out of the, in case you're out of the loop, I'll save you a week's worth of video watching and Twitter reading. In fact, this news has blown up so much, it made BBC and other news outlets. You know, poker, that's, I mean, in a way, it's awesome. It's a shame about the story, in all honesty. Um, but it, it, is, it is nice that poker is getting some coverage. And I, I just wish it was all in a, in a better light. Okay, so you're going to need to strap in, even for this Cliff's Notes version of the story, because it, it, it starts crazy, and it, it, it just gets even crazier. Um, and as more time goes on, I think it's going to get crazy um, until hopefully hopefully it just comes to an end uh, rather quickly here. Anyway, Cliff's Notes version. Hustler, so a uh, little background. Hustler Casino Live is a high-stakes poker live stream broadcast from Hustler Casino in California. And during this particular live stream, which uh, was a $100, $200 no-limit hold'em with a $400 straddle, so it's basically a $100, $200, $400 no-limit hold'em game, um, a 200, I believe it's a $269,000 pot took place. And the pot was contested heads up between Robbie and Garrett. So here, a few details about the hand here. So I'm going to go over the hand play. Garrett raised pre-flop uh, to $3,000 with 7-8 of clubs, and Robbie called an additional 2.2K, so she apparently, uh, my understanding, she had 800 already in the pot, must have been a couple of straddles going on, so she called an additional 2K to cover Garrett's $3,000 raise. So Garrett has 7-8 of clubs in for 3000 Robbie has Jack-4 offsuit, um, one club, one heart, Jack, Jack clubs and four of hearts um, in for $3,000. Flop comes down, 10 of hearts, 10 of clubs, 9 of clubs. So remember, Garrett has a 7, 8 of clubs. 9, 10 of clubs is on board for the flop. So Garrett has a straight flush draw holding you know, the 7, 8 of clubs. So he has a straight draw, a flush draw. Um, and other than that, he has a... Uh, a st well, straight straight draw, flush draw, and a straight flush draw. Other than that, he currently has eight high. Garrett bets out 2,500. Robbie calls. No big deal. Turn is a three of hearts. Garrett bets out $10,000, right? Three of hearts didn't really do jack probably uh, for anybody. There are two hearts on the board. If somebody's on a flush draw, that could mean something. Um, but irregardless, Garrett bets out 10K. Robbie min raises to 20. Has to make you wonder, is she on the heart draw or not? And Garrett makes the call. Um, actually, sorry. Turn as a three. Let me let me back up. Get, turn as a three of hearts. Garrett bets out 10K. Robbie min raises to 20, at which point Garrett goes all in um, for another. It would be 129K. He has much more behind, but um, Robbie has 129. So it's basically he's all in for Robbie's stack. So I'm going to pause here for a little explanation. At this point, it would be another 109,000. Robbie put 20 in on the min raise. It's going to be another 109,000 for Robbie to call. There's only one card to come, and that's the river card. While Garrett, who pushed all in for 129,000, has an open-ended straight draw um, and an eight-high flush draw and a potential straight flush draw, which we know is you know, very slim at this point, he currently only has eight 
high with only one card to come and went all in. I'm not saying it's an incorrect play, but to me, this is critical. He currently has eight high and Robbie has jack high. Now, Garrett has a bunch of draws, but he has no hand. Jackie, Robbie, sorry, Jack, I'm saying Jackie because there was a Jack. Robbie actually has a jack high and uh, Garrett currently has an eight high. Robbie ends up making the call and winning the hand and on two runouts. I mean, this is insane and not in a cheating way as far as I am concerned, but insane that she made the call and ends up winning after they decided to put out two river cards and she won both hands. So there's a lot of this sort of, this happens in high stakes games. A lot of somebody's all in um, before the players turn over their cards and before any more cards are dealt out, they decide if they want to run it uh, once or twice before they show each other their cards. Um, And Robbie actually made the decision uh, to run it twice. Garrett said he's, he actually just likes to run it once. Robbie decided to run it twice. So that's what they ended up doing. The problem comes when Garrett freaks out, and yeah, freaks out isn't the right word. He didn't really freak out. He he just he was looking very upset, um, and he was very unhappy. Obviously, he lost to a jack high, but he went all in with an eight high. So just saying. Um, but anyway, Garrett was upset, um, even though he was the one all in with the eight high. You know, I mean, come on. If you're going to push all your money in on draws, which apparently is something he does somewhat regularly, and most of his opponents fold, probably correctly, most of the time, so he's used to taking it down. At some point, somebody is going to catch you with your hand in the cookie jar, and you're going to have to find a new cookie jar to raid. So because Garrett lost to a jack high, with his eight high, mind you, he alleged that Robbie must be cheating. He just couldn't make sense of the hand. His brain was short-circuiting. He couldn't understand it, how Robbie could make the call. Keep in mind, as I continue the story, that Garrett is the main character on this live stream. So Garrett calls foul, which ends up leading to an all-out investigation of Hustler Casino Live. The production, security, the IT, uh, the staff, the players, etc. Uh, by a third-party security firm. And so this is the story that has blown up. Oh, but wait, there's more. During the initial investigation where video footage was reviewed, an employee of Hustler Casino Live was seen taking $15,000 worth of chips from Robbie's stack. Now keep in mind, sounds like a lot, and it is a lot of money, but it sounds like a lot like normal folk uh, like myself, you know, think, oh my gosh, $15,000 worth of chips, that's got to be like, you know, a couple stacks. But, you know, in this case, on a high stakes uh, poker stream, it's only three chips. You know, and I don't want to say, I don't want to minimize it by saying only, but, uh, you know, there are techniques to use where it's very easy to steal one or two or probably even three chips. Um, not that I know about these things, but I've heard, you know, from friends of friends of friends, <laughs> I'm just teasing in any event, each of the chips, uh, is worth 5k. So apparently a, uh, an employee of Hustler Casino Live was seen while they, during the initial investigation of video footage, taking three of these chips from Robbie's stack. Uh, just, you know, another twist in the plot here, which is just, it's just crazy. 
have a ton I could say about all this, but I'll leave it there. Um, this podcast is getting a little bit longer than usual, and uh, I, I don't want to go on like some others have uh, and keep it, but I'm going to leave it there mostly as more than enough has been said on YouTube and Poker Twitter if you care to check it out. I will say two things, though. I think I saw the best written explanation yet, which sums it up to me. And that is, quote, a triple barrel bluff is a great move, dot, 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 until you get called down by a frustrated rookie, end quote. This was written by someone who commented on an article that was originally published on Kodaku, uh, I, I, something I've never heard of this site, um, K-O-T-A-K-U.com, um, a web news outlet with gaming reviews, news, tips, and more. Unfortunately, I don't have the commenter's name, so I am unable to give credit to the commenter, but um, it just sums it all up to me. A triple barrel bluff is a great move until you get called down by a frustrated rookie. The last thing I do want to say is that I think the stream's announcer was incorrect by stating and insinuating live on stream several times, actually, that maybe there was foul play in the hand. The first thing the announcer stated was that, quote, maybe he thinks that she saw his hand somehow, end quote. So basically, the announcer stated on a live stream with a lot of audience, large number of uh, people watching, that maybe Garrett thinks that Robbie saw Garrett's hand somehow. I do not think that is something an announcer should be saying out loud on a live stream, as it alludes to foul play or cheating, which I don't think is correct coming from the booth to an audience without clear evidence. And this happened, there were a couple of uh, instances where the announcer, I feel, went above and beyond making suggestions um, that, that there was maybe foul play in the hand. Finally, if you want to learn more about Drama Doogie or any mixed games, head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There, you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, and you won't have to keep rewinding the podcast to follow the rules. The book is more than just the rules and play of 23 mixed games. It's also a good reference for definitions on all terms related to poker so you're comfortable before sitting down at a table. There's also a chapter on poker history, a chapter on the similarities between Hold'em and Mixed Games, and another chapter on the differences between Hold'em and Mixed Games to help get you started and comfortable in the Mixed Games arena. Well, that's all for Episode 18, Drama Dookie. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R All the Games. Subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com and join us again in two weeks for episode 19 where we will keep the action going with another combination flop and draw game and discuss drama ha. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge 
your cards fill both high and low and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm -hmm.